Was oh my god, I lost your face. Hold on, girl. What is happening? Oh, there. Hi, here I am. How's your gigantic squash? Um, I good, good, I think. Did you put it in the ground yet? So I put some of them in like indoors and in little little cells indoors. Okay. And I put one outside in a pot. And the I planted there were seven, seven seeds in the um in the pack. One of them I bought, six of them I put inside, one of them I asked extra ones, so I put it outside. The outside one has not sprouted yet. Two of the inside ones have. Wow, that's so fast. Um, yeah, but like it took maybe four days, four or five days. The the cucumber sprouted like within two days. Wow. So now all of them, pretty much all of them are sprouted except I'm waiting on the corn. Got you. Remember my little plants that I had planted and I was so excited yeah. that they had sprouted? They died. <laughs> R.I.P. What did you do? I did nothing. I feel like I was very supportive. I would check on them and talk to them and water them. I don't know if it was just the wrong season. I got to troubleshoot and try again because I still have some more seeds. I don't, I don't think you gave them enough light. It's possible. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> it's possible. Speaking of light, that is actually not related to our episode today at all. <laughs> I thought you, okay, yeah, I, I was very curious to see where you were going with that. I was going to try to rope it into our episode. Have a black thumb. Are you wondering what the word horticulture means? Are you a little bit seedy? A little shady? Do you stand in the garden and wonder, what the f am I doing? Do you look at people's yards and wonder, what the f are they doing? If so, this podcast is for you, no matter your gardening experience level. I'm Shannon. And I'm Marcella, two friends who like to laugh and learn our way through life and gardening. Tune in as we interview some awesome people who talk to us about their love for plants, trees, gardens, bugs, and more. Welcome to CD and Shady AF, a sketchy gardening podcast. Hey, Shannon. Hey, Marcella. So on today's episode, we have Adam Carlson, who's going to be talking to us about medicinal plants. Do you remember our conversation with him? I do. And it was really good because uh, he just has so much passion. And I think he's also a, a therapist. That's right. That was well. another reason. Yeah, that was another reason I really enjoyed having him on the show. As I've mentioned in past episodes, that is also my day job. I am a social worker, a clinical social worker. So it was really interesting to hear how he has roped gardening into his practice. Something that yeah. he talks about a lot in the episode is putting the power back in the consumer's hands. I mean, oftentimes, you know, when we go to doctors, we're told to take certain medications and things like that. And what he really talked about was, you know, giving consumers other options, natural options. So it was just really right. interesting conversation. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So if being a therapist is your day job, what's your night job? <laughs> this podcast. I mean, <laughs> I feel like you had lots of opportunities there. I did. I did. I'm sorry. I did not come back with anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all good. All right. So let's just get into it. Well, first, thank you, Adam, so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. It was really exciting to have somebody that knows about medicinal plants and um, about cactus and all the things I know absolutely nothing about. So, <laughs> <laughs> Same. 
same. So, um, Adam, I met you through, um, my coworker, Laura, yeah. um, or, or heard of you through my coworker, Laura. And so, um, my understanding is that you are also a licensed clinical social worker. Is that right? That's correct. I am. I practice okay. uh, psychotherapy. Uh, very cool. So I am as well. I'm a clinical oh, social right. worker as well. So I'm really excited to, um, kind of hear, um, you know, how, how all of this intersects with your professional work. So talk to us a little bit about how you discovered your passion for medicinal plants and how do you use it in your uh, professional work? Okay, great question. So um, uh, the one answer is unrelated to the other. I discovered the passion because my wife got very into um, uh, like uh, ornamental tropicals, uh, your Monsteras and Burlmarks and things like that, and was dragging me to local nurseries and not so local. Um, so I figured I would find something I had interest in happened to be cactus. I mean, it kind of grew from there, it turned into quite the addiction. Um, that on a, uh, on a spectrum of a timeline that it will tie in more to what I'm doing with my therapy, but I have to figure out the legality of that uh, as far as being able to talk medicinal plant supplements, using things with people, um, whether that's uh, in violation of my licensure or not. I may have to do it as a separate endeavor through a separate business is what I'm thinking for a while. Uh, but my intention is to study herbalism with an accredited school with the uh, American Herbalist, Her Herbalist Guild and to hopefully integrate that into my overall practice with people, not just the therapy. Perfect. I, I would actually like to circle back to the um, being accredited herbalist. That sounds really cool. I'll circle back to that a little bit <laughs> later. Um, but I, I just had a question. So how when you say medicinal plants, can you talk a little bit about what that means? Like what kind of plants are we are we talking? Oh, sure. So personally, what I grow and work with is anything that's legal, anything that is legal to grow and work with. And that's not to say that I have a whole apothecary growing. There's a lot I have yet to acquire. Um, I tend to like to acquire the rarer things and the things that are closer to that line of what's controlled and what isn't, because I think that's where the potent medicine is that, uh, that I hope to empower people to access. Um, so if it is legal as an ornamental, I will grow it. And if it's legal, just all around, I'll grow it. But I don't grow cannabis in North Carolina. Obviously, that's not legal to grow and sell here yet. Knock on wood. Um, but pretty much anything I am able to, I'm open to growing it and reading about it, learning about it. Hopefully. And when you, Adam, on. when you say um, ornamental, um, I'm assuming that's like decorative. What, what does that word mean when you, when it would be. So as far as gray area goes, when we're talking what medicinal plants are legal mm -hmm. to grow and what aren't, there's some that have potent medicines in them that are not legal to access, to sell, to share, to use without a prescription. But the plant itself is legal to grow as an ornamental, okay. if that makes sense. You could grow the plant if it's part of your landscape, but if you're caught processing it into medicine, that is a federal crime. I just, I just learned so much in the last five minutes. Same here. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> same here, same here. So um, what was that bridge from the interest in um, like cactus to medicine, like figuring out that um, how to, you know, empower people to access their own medicine? So it literally was the bridge. Okay. Uh, the cactus was. There's potent medicine in certain cactus, ah, certain cacti. Okay. Um, and this was what sparked my deep interest in it. Um, it at first, I was, as I said, just kind of taking along for the ride, finding something that interested me aesthetically. I like the cactus because they're prickly and mean. 
That sounds um, like a good definition of of Marcella. No, I'm joking. She's not. She's she's very nice. She is not prickly and mean at all. She's the she's the anti cactus. Gotcha. So, um, being active in um, various Facebook groups, social media groups that uh, have to do with oh, uh, just a a variety of things, but where they overlap: psychotherapy, psychedelics, and plants. Now that I'm into it, and cactus, um, it's it's not so. Uh, hard to imagine that I soon came across the concept of the, uh, the, the San Pedro cactus. I'm going to say that with quotes because it's a colonizer term. I don't like to use it, but most people don't know what I'm talking about unless I say that. And those are columnar cactus that are legal to grow as ornamentals, but that do contain mescaline, similar to peyote. Cool. So um, which fruit, veggie, or plant has been your favorite to grow and why? Wow. I think probably uh, Banisteriopsis copy so far. Um, it was a real challenge the first year. Uh, I had a little sprout that, that got to about this big and I was so proud of myself. It was the first jungle medicinal I'd tried to grow. Um, and I had it uh, acclimated to the outside for the summer and, and a, a squirrel came and dug it up while I was out uh, away for the weekend. And yeah, I was heartbroken when I got back. Long story short, I acquired another cutting. It's in my makeshift uh, heated uh, barn tent now. And, and I swear the thing grew a foot last week, even in the cold we are having now. It's probably eight feet tall now. I was gonna tell you, I'm having a I'm having I'm having drama with one in my yard. And same thing happened to me. Like those darn squirrels, I tell you, they um I, I planted a rutabaga, like maybe 20 of them. And so I had one sitting in a, in a container by itself and it's gone now. And I know, I can't prove it because I don't have a fingerprint kit for like fingerprinting squirrels, but I know it was the squirrel. I can't prove it. That's what the squirrel would say in court. Well, I have an eyewitness. My pit bull tells me that it's the squirrels <laughs> every day. <laughs> just know that if a forensic kit becomes available for like investigating squirrels shannon will have been the one that invented it because she and the squirrel got beef right now <laughs> i, I want to yeah. say i want to say right now copyright squirrel fingerprint kit shannon uh, um, so put a pin the, in it. <laughs> the, the the plant you said was your uh your most favorite the banisteris copy did i say mm -hmm. that correct what what exactly do you use that for so that is the, um, uh, if you've heard anything about indigenous plant medicines, if you've ever heard the term ayahuasca, mm -hmm. is that ringing a bell? Okay, Marcella, you know what I'm talking about. That's the vine that's the basis of the ayahuasca, the ayahuasca brew, um, which interestingly enough, the vine is legal to grow and even the uh, constituents are legal as far as I know, as of the last time I researched. The active components of just that vine are psychoactive in and of themselves and uh, have mm -hmm. um, therapeutic benefits. Uh, Marcel, I'm sure you're aware of those uh, being in the industry that you're in. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, when I was in my grad program, um, actually in our um, addictions course, we actually had we watched a video um, around um, a ritual, including ayahuasca, where people would go, I think it was like somewhere in Central America, they would go, they would take the, they would take the ayahuasca, um, and then they would, um, hallucinate essentially. They would, they would, that was the, the therapeutic, um, they would, some of them would become very ill, but, but there was a lot of benefit when they came out of the, the, yes. uh, the ritual. It's powerful medicine. I've um, been exposed in the same way you have traditionally to this information. Um, full disclosure, I have not taken a journey on ayahuasca myself yet. Um, but 
through my work as a therapist and without uh, disclosing anything I shouldn't, I have had the honor of speaking with clients who have and who've mm. been to those places in South America and experienced that. And I can tell you anecdotally, uh, months, if not years of psychotherapy work are being done in a week. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. People are coming out of that completely healed. And, um, and it's, it's like a religious experience for some people. So definitely worth, um, I think there's, there's probably um, videos on YouTube about it, Shannon, if you're ever interested in um, kind of learning a little bit more about what the ayahuasca does, but it's definitely interesting. Yeah. Okay. Which has been your, your least favorite to grow? Oh goodness. Let's see. Least favorite. What do I cuss at the most? <laughs> that's a good measure. That, that's how we all measure it. I think that's yes. really good. <laughs> I think it's got to be Periscopsis. Periscopsis. Okay. That is a proto cactus type plant. It shares genetics with cacti and leaf succulents, and it grows very fast. And it comes in handy if you're into grafting plants or making seedling cacti grow a lot faster. However, they have these nasty little spines in them called glochids that are hollow and have barbs on the end. And if you get one of those things in your finger, oh, you're going to know it for a while. Ouch. Shannon, this reminds me of when you were, what was the fruit that you were like messing with and with your hands and um, you ended up getting a splinter from it? What was it that you were messing with? I was going to say I have quite, um, quite a history with this because it happened to me three times. (laughs) (laughs) And it it seems like the first time it happened, I would have learned something, but obviously not. So the first time was actually prickly pear. Which oh, they, that's right. Okay. They are still delicious, but I, yeah, definitely a, sping, a splinter on my finger. The second time, I think, was a lychee tomato. Okay. Um, they have lychee tomatoes are like little small, they look like little small cherry tomatoes and they're related to tomatoes, but they're slightly different. But when they grow, the whole plant has these really long um, spines, but oh. they have the spines on the stems and on the leaves and on the husk that uh, covers their fruit, kind of like a ground cherry kind of like a tomatillo the way it covers but oh, yeah. it's covered in spikes so literally every inch of this plant is covered so that was one and then the third time I don't know if it was one of those lychee tomatoes or if it was cucumbers because they also have very like very they thin do. little spikes uh the ones that grow in my garden that you can kind of wash off pretty easily but they do get spiky so one of them actually sent me to the hospital so if we ever do a show oh. called plant sending into the hospital for having spikes in your toes it would be a show that I invented <laughs> 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 oh, I, I have not been to the hospital yet, knock on wood, but I, I did have a, a about a three and a half month recovery for my foot after dropping a section of, of Trichecchii cactus on it. Those have spines about this long and I'm amazed Ouch. I didn't have to go to the hospital, but so. What? Yeah, so so Adam, he held up uh, maybe about like a how long do you think the barbs about three yeah, two inches? Yeah, good, good two to three inches on that one. That's um what's called a false saguaro. It's one of the biggest cacti that grow columnar style. Wow. Yeah. So this is definitely not for the faint of heart. You definitely got to be careful when you're doing this type of work. Careful or careless. Careless. Okay. Either way. (laughs) Um, Also, the other comment I was going to make is every time that you say a name of one of these, I think of Harry Potter. That sounds like a spell spell or something. Yes. (laughs) What you got, Shannon? So I was just thinking, um, what are some examples of herbs and plants that gardeners may already have in their gardens that they would be able to source and use those for their healing benefits? Oh, that's a great question. There's, there's just so many good ones. Passion flower. That's the first mm-hmm. one that comes to mind. It's one I personally have found very useful. Now, my interest in these tends to start with the psychotherapeutic and branch out from there. Um, 
passion flowers good uh, anecdotally for depression, anxiety. Um, some people claim ADHD. I have ADHD. I have not tried it on enough of a regimen to co-sign to that yet, but I can say that I've tried it enough to know that um, in a strong tea or if it's smoked, that it does have a noticeable, almost instant calming and just kind of relaxing effect. It's not smack you in your face. You're not going to get high, so to speak. If you're used to smoking a pot or something like that, it's not quite that psychoactive. But if you're anxious, it'll certainly take the edge off. Um, other things, uh, let's see, uh, motherwort. That's another good one. Not necessarily something that's going to give you a psychoactive effect, but it's good for a number of things. Um, circulatory things, I believe it's good for the heart, um, good mm. for the whole circulatory system. Um, I, I feel like there's a theme with most of these medicinals that they also uh, come with these reports of anxiety reduction and depression. I'm not sure how much of that is placebo and how much is real, um, but sure. end result, if the person's feeling less anxiety or depression, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, I'm trying to think of some more common ones. I'm really into the uncommon ones, but um, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, let's see, I can just peek out the window and think about what <laughs> I had there earlier. Oh, um, let's see, lion's tail. I don't know if that's very common, but it's hardy to zone 7B um, and below. And that's another good relaxant. Catnip, that's another good one. Good relaxant, good for anxiety. Um, doesn't get people high like it does cats, but it is a common thing. Um, pineapple sage as well. Oh, and very cool. I, I just, uh, it's it's funny you mentioned catnip, actually. I wanted to just uh, mention a quick antidote. When I was, uh, right before we got on uh, the, the call, I was standing out looking in my back garden. It's usually the fat squirrel, but it's a cat. Today it was a cat and we were in a Mexican standoff because he was just standing at me. I'm standing at him, looking at him. He's looking at me. It was yeah, and so we just did that for like five minutes, and I was thinking <laughs> maybe I should uh, maybe I should make them their own garden with catnip. I don't know how that would work. Yeah. I don't want them. I'll make a garden of catnip for them in somebody else's yard. <laughs> yes, <Yeah, so. laughs> like some uh, gorilla garden. You just plant it in the back of Walmart. <laughs> gorilla garden. You know that's something that I definitely do. Um, no, I, I just think it's very neat to hear that catnip and these other herbs that you mentioned, if, and they have you know healing properties. You know, amongst a lot, a lot of people can use them. So that's oh, did, very, very interesting. I'm sorry. Before we move on, I did think of one more important one that's very easy to grow: mullen, lamb's ear. Mullen. Hmm. Number of medicinal uses in a tea or a incense. Okay. Hi there. Seed in the shade here with some interesting facts about the peyote cactus. The peyote cactus, known scientifically as Lophophora williamsii, grows only in northern Mexico and two small regions of southern Texas, one near Laredo and the other near Big Bend National Park. It grows mostly underground in the form of a stout, tough cactus. Usually only the crown of the cactus is visible. It also has a very strong bitter taste, which keeps it safe from animals. The peyote cactus has been prized for its hallucinogenic effects by the natives of central and northern Mexico for thousands of years. These effects are brought on by the chemical mescaline, which the cactus produces. Mescaline is a Schedule I drug in the United States and illegal for recreational use. But members of the Native American church in the southwestern United States are exempt from this law as they use the substance in their spiritual rituals. 
Practitioners describe the effects as heightening their awareness of their surroundings and of their emotions. They also describe a dreamlike state with no clear beginning, middle, or end. In recent years, there has been interest in using mescaline and other psychedelic drugs in the treatment of psychiatric conditions. Some other substances of interest are, but not limited to, psilocybin from magic mushrooms, and also MDMA. So, perhaps in the future, we'll all be asking our doctor about mescaline. Until next time. Um, I, I did have like a, a follow on question to that. I noticed that for some of them, you were, you know, saying, you know, if you, if you smoke this versus if you uh, make this in a tea, how is this kind of trial and error type of thing? Or how do you know what the best way to, to, to take it is? Okay. I'm so sorry if you're hearing that noise. No worries. Okay. Are you hearing that? Yes. It's okay. subtle, but yeah. I'll, I will uh, go ahead and talk through that then. That'll end in a minute. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, method of administration, that makes a difference. Um, a lot of these things can be taken just as, as an edible herb. You could dry it most of the time when these things are harvested, they're dried for storage and either put in capsules as a supplement if you're going to just eat them. You can make teas um, with some of the things. If you, uh, if you have a strong stomach, you can do what's called a toss and wash with the powder where you just take it and chase it with water. Um, tinctures are also a thing. You can uh, soak the leaves in grain alcohol and then reduce the alcohol through evaporation to improve the potency, kind of make it stronger. But as far as just using the raw material, a tea and smoking it are traditional ways because they get to the point quickly. You could do it without chemistry and a bunch of extra steps usually. Teas are obviously the more harm reductive way. Um, smoking things into your lungs isn't healthy in general. Um, however, it is a traditional method, and with some things like mullen, it's said to have a specific benefit that you only get when you do it that way. It clears the lungs, creates mucus, um, and uh, certain other things, you only get certain benefits if you use it in a certain Got way. Got it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Um, there's also um, just a piece of like social justice to what you were talking about, kind of in reading through your um, bio um, something that really stuck out to me was your piece about wanting to put the power back in the people's hands and, you know, taking their health into their own yes. hands. So, um, can you say a little bit more about that or what, you know, what that means to you? Yeah. Oh, I'd love to, I'd love to. It's my entire ethos for my work and what I do with my life. Um, in my therapy, I strive to be very affirming and to just really be deconstructionist in the way that I view the way that mm -hmm. we do things. Um, I have a license, an associate license in um, addictions treatment as well. And I've dropped even working on it because I've looked at the systems and the ways that we treat it as bullshit, for lack of yeah. a better way to put it. You know, we're doing harm. Um, I'm sorry, I'm that's getting okay. a little off track. Uh -huh. So that's my passion. Obviously, <laughs> yep. that's my view. Um, personal experience, how that ties into it. I shared that I have ADHD. Um, I plugged back in for ADHD medication um, during COVID. No big surprise stressed out trying to adjust to telehealth therapy. Um, and since then, I've experienced the medicine shortages. It's always been a pain in the butt to jump through the hoops for prescriptions, especially when they're controlled substances. Um, between that 
and the shortages and not being sure if I could get it and not wanting to be on it the rest of my life and wanting to find something more mild that'll work, it kind of got me thinking about access to medicine. Um, from there, I bought, uh, oh goodness, I'm going to murder the pronunciation of this man's name, uh, Christian Rath something I, he wrote basically the the psychoactives bible the encyclopedia of psychoactive okay. plants it, it's a great book it's a great okay. beginner book just if you're looking for like what's going to be effective what will you feel to affect your mood or, or get high if you want to get high legally but the important part for me was the intro where he goes into talking about how this was the this this is the roots mm. of all medicine that we're talking mm. about here and it was taken from indigenous people it was demonized by religion and by colonial forces um, to the point where it's been forgotten, except for these mm -hmm. fringe areas and, and maybe people who are still practicing mm -hmm. the old ways. Um, and the places that I'm seeing these things being revealed are not therapeutic circles. They're not clinical circles. They are circles where uh, they're the people who go to Burning Man, they're hippies, they're people who uh, want to get high, you know, and, and find it through that. But find something more to and and just to the point of putting the power back in the hands of the people i think it, what it it's not just concerning it's distressing uh, the <laughs> level of incompetence of our medical system in america it's distressing i've been peripheral to it as a mental health professional i've worked three years in community mental health i worked two years in a direct service provision and quality control with the idd and spmi population before that the best we do is harm reduction Honestly, like we're not helping people with the models that we use and the way that we do it. And even if we were, the way everything is sectioned off, like we should practice within our competence. That's 100% an ethical thing. Uh, however, if we're compartmentalizing inside our competence and we're leaving the medical piece to the doctors, just assuming they know what they're doing and they're looking at the client holistically, it doesn't work. The system does not work. And I don't think it was made to work. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, just kind of hearing that there's definitely benefit to adding natural healing plants into our modern, modern world of medicine um, and definitely taking things in a very mo more holistic approach. And I think a lot of medicine has tried to do that over the last, you know, 10, 20 years, but it's definitely room for improvement on that. Um, I did have a question that kind of shift gears a little bit. Uh, yeah. Some of the plants that you named before kind of have a little bit more yeah. complicated uh, scientific names. Do you ever give any of your plants any um, fun names that you just give to them because you love them so much? Oh, let's. Oh, yes. Okay. So spiky bastard gets thrown around a lot. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> Um, there's one that I'm hoping if it grows out interesting enough looking, I may clone it, mm. at which point I'll put a name on it. Well, I've already named it uh, Cultivar Great Value. The name is Great Value because I found it in the Walmart Garden Center. Oh, nice. <laughs> one of my first attempts to hopefully find a, a Pocanoi, that's what we call a San Pedro cactus, um, after discovering what that was shortly after falling in love with cacti. Um, you know, the, most people go through this who, who kind of find it through that route. Um, they'll go to the garden center, hope you find the, the good thing for really cheap and then get back on the groups with your pictures and get disappointed. Is this what I'm looking for? No, it's not what you're looking for. Uh, but this one out of 10 turned out to actually be what I was looking for then. But uh, long story short, I didn't know what I was looking for at that point. 
So speaking of that, um, uh, just had a a quick question. Um, So talking about uh, great value plants you find at Walmart, (laughs) I want to switch a little bit and talk about tropical plants. Can you talk, did you have a passion for cactus, medicinal plants, and tropical plants? What kind of tropical plants do you you grow? So most of my tropicals are medicinals because a lot of medicinals are tropicals. Um, my wife is more into the, um, the ornamental tropicals, but we kind of both are together because they can be investment plants when you get into like the variegated and the, the, the really fancy stuff. Um, but yeah, I've, I've got a Burl Marks uh, variegated that I've been propagating. That doesn't have any medicinal value. It's just so when you plant. say variegated, can you explain to our listeners what that means? Oh, absolutely. Sure. If you've ever seen a plant that has... Um, maybe some yellow or some white or pink or a color other than green growing in it. Um, now, sometimes that's the natural growth color of the plant, uh, but if it's not the normal color, if it's just a little difference in this one plant, that's variegation is usually isolated by uh, cloning propagation and spread around. And it can make the plant worth quite a bit more money depending on how rare variegation is in that plant. Do you happen to have any banana plants that you're keeping alive in a zone 7B asking for a friend, myself? I actually do. Um, There is a banana tree in my barn right now. So I kind of have a two section setup going right now. It's I'm really treading water. Uh, We're building a greenhouse in the next year. Uh, But for right now, I have the lean to on my barn encased in uh, two layers of, I think, four mil painters plastic have heat lamp. Uh, I've got a whole like punk rock do-it-yourself heater system in there with heat lamps and bricks and things. And uh, it's working. Um, But anyway, on the other side of that, inside the barn, there's another one of those little things on the floor, the little heater deal. And I've got the banana tree, a couple plumeria, some hibiscus, um, some of my wife's tropicals and a whole bunch of my cactus in there. And they're all happy as clams so oh, far. Oh, that sounds amazing. My, my banana plant who's outside right now in this 30 degree weather is probably very jealous of your <laughs> banana plant. What? Oh, 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 oh. Another thing about those banana plants. I don't know how big yours is, but we thought we killed ours last year, um, just wrapping it in plastic and letting it go. And then at the beginning of last uh, grow season, cut it down to about that high. Darn if it didn't sprout right back up to as high as it was before by the end of the season. Yeah. So that, that gives hope to me and all the other people out here growing tropical plants in not a tropical environment and hoping for the best. <laughs> oh, to that point, microclimates, those can really come in handy. If there's a side of your house that gets more sunlight, you have vinyl siding, you may be able to grow something in a corner there or up against the wall that normally wouldn't grow in 7B. Huh. Interesting to know. Okay. So what advice, um, this is a good segue. What advice would you give to, um, a person like a new, a new gardener, um, or someone who bought a whole bunch of half dead (laughs) tropical plants at the discount bin of a garden center. And all they have is a dream and no experience. (laughs) Hmm. What advice? Okay. Get to know your soils. That's going to be the most important thing. Get to know your soils. Don't just chunk it in potting soil or leave it in whatever cost of farms probably put it in. Get it out of that mess when it gets home and put it in something good, okay. um, especially if it's a tropical or maybe an aeroid, uh, orchid, something like that. Mm-hmm. They like to breathe. They like to have a lot of loose, big chunks in their soil. So barks and big pieces of pumice and perlite. And, um, well, I nerd out on it. It's <laughs> fun to me. It almost feels like cooking, mixing up soils. Yeah. A lot of experimentation, it sounds like for sure. Oh, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think that's going to play into one of your questions further on down the line <laughs> here as well. <laughs> For sure. Um, let's play a game of which veggie in a garden do you most identify with? So I'm wondering, um, out of all the plants, veggies, or maybe fruit, um, that are in your garden, which would you say, Adam, that, um, you most identify with? Oh man, it's gotta be the cactus. It has to be. Um, I actually, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a joke. I, I joke that I now identify politically as a cactus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to hold my zone down, grow my own way. And if you get too close to me or try to make me grow another way, I'm going to stab you. <laughs> it's, this, is, this is great that you have so much experience in cactus, because I will be honest, my uh, my experience in cactus is uh, two. So one is watching um, Looney Tunes as a kid. And you always see Yosemite Sam and he lands on the cactus and he's screaming and running around. So that, that would be oh. number one. Number two, we live near a um, like a big... Uh, park and so my abuelita across the street will go into the park and try to take the little prickly pears off the cactus and always get stopped by the oh. park rangers it's, it's like a a battle oh. between the two <laughs> <laughs> do you guys cook with them cook with the pads or just use the fruits um, I have cooked with nopales with the with the pads before and I when I was spending some time in Mexico City I would um I would uh, eat the the prickly pears for the tuna for um for breakfast, and that's mm. actually the first time I had them. It's kind of peeled and served up for breakfast. Yes, ah, never had that. I have had the the note ball prepared in a taco though. That was pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, and it's a very uh, versatile type uh, vegetable. I, I, is a cactus a vegetable, or is it just called a cactus? That's a good question. I don't think it. No, well, the seeds are in the fruit, so no, it wouldn't right. be a vegetable. It would just be a cactus. A cactus, just a plain old cactus. <laughs> it doesn't want to be grouped with anything. <laughs> Technically, if you wanted to break it down and get nerdy, the columnar cactus, the column is like a tree trunk. Huh. Um, it's more succulent-like than wood-like, but when it dries out, there is a wooden core, and the spines are actually uh, evolved leaves. Interesting. Okay. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. See, learning something new every day. Literally Marcella. every day. I have, Yeah. <laughs> And so Adam, tell us, how would you, how do you think that your plants, so if we went outside and did a survey of all your plants in your garden and asked them to describe your garden based on these song lyrics, what do you think they would say? Would they say, is it feeling groovy or is it all we want is life beyond the Thunderdome? I think most of them right now would be saying they're feeling groovy. Nice. Um, I think the ones in the tent are pricing and it's getting hot in here. We're ready to take <laughs> off all our clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, that is great. And that is great and a, and a great way to end this segment. So thank you very much, Adam, for being with us today. I feel like we learned so much about uh, medicinal plants and tropicals and cactus. And thank you for being here to share your passion with us and our listeners. No, oh, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. Absolutely. Um, where can listeners get more information about all we've talked about today? The medicinal plants, the cactus, the tropical plants. Oh, goodness. So, um, so many good resources. Um, just a good Google will give you lots of information on uh, specific medicinals or if you're looking for a certain, um, a certain reason. Uh, however, like uh, any good professional should, I would caution anybody listening not to just type something into Google and take uh, whatever website you come up with word for it, whether that be WebMD or, or something else. 
Um, but if you are looking for a good resource and know how to vet your resources for um, experience reports or maybe just general information on the more psychoactive medicines, uh, arrowid.org is a good one. That's okay. E-R-O-W-I-D.org. They've been around for a long time. I believe, uh, goodness, I hope I don't mess it up, but I think uh, the McKenna brothers have something to do with uh, the production of that, uh, that .org. And there was a book? Yes, the Encyclopedia of Psychoactive Plants. All right, thank you so much. It was great to meet you. And um, where can listeners follow you? Is there anywhere that you? Actually, yes. If you want to follow our stuff, I'm, I'm trying to plug it here wearing the shirt, <laughs> Sugar Bear Farms. That's Sugar Bear Farms. Okay. And, Very um, cool. Want to be where we're going to sell produce and um, ornamentals. And eventually when I get my herbalism going, that'll be a part of that as well if I have to do it separate from my therapy license. Very cool. Well, very good luck to you. Um, and again, thank you for all the information you provided us today. This has been the CD and Shady AF podcast. Thanks to all the peas in our pod for listening. We believe in you and we believe in your plants. Follow us for more shenanigans on Instagram at CD and Shady Pod. Until next time, stay seedy, stay shady. And remember, sketchy gardening is still gardening. <laughs>